Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. I would tell them that the best investment that they can make is in our kids. They are the future. We need to provide for them so that they can provide for our country. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Our Future Now. I'm Natalie Meebane, and I'm the co-founder of the National Children's Campaign. Hi, everyone. My name is Jonah Gottlieb, and I'm the co-founder and executive director of the National Children's Campaign. And this week, like every week, I've been fighting on behalf of America's 74 million children. So, Jonah, how has your week been? This week, we actually launched the Save the Date for National Children's Week, which is our week of action coming up June 14th to 20th. And I've been taking care of my new baby chicks. We have 10 of them, and they are all named after different Jewish foods. We've got falafel, gefilte, matzo ball, many more. I see. Okay. So you've been planning a week of action and taking care of some new baby chicks. So you've been very busy as well. And now looking forward to school next year. We just got word that UCs, where I'll be attending UC Berkeley, will be open in some form in the fall. Seems like some of the classes will be online with things like the big lectures, but then other things, the smaller classes will actually be in person. I'm glad to hear that, Jenna. I really want you to build and enjoy school and really get that university experience. And hopefully everything will be a little bit more normal then. Definitely. Things are going to be different no matter what. You know, schools are facing huge budget cuts with people being on unemployment. They're not paying as much income tax. And so that's obviously draining state budgets, as well as things like in California, the lottery is a big source of income for the schools. During the COVID pandemic, less money is coming from that to the school system. I can only imagine, Jonah, just how much state budgets are suffering right now, considering that they're not getting as much tax revenue as they were before, because so many Americans are unemployed currently. And they're also having to pay out unemployment benefits And it's really time for the federal government to step in and help states. I'm really excited and happy that the HEROES Act passed the House of Representatives recently. And within that bill, there is $500 billion designated to help states, to help them with their budgets. Now, is that enough? No. I think states probably need more support to get them through these tough times. And now we're waiting on the Senate to act. It's really time for the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to do something and to actually take action on the bill that has already passed the House of Representatives. And it's designed to help uplift states who right now are on the front lines of trying to deal with the pandemic and trying to keep their essential services running. It's really great that we're joined by two amazing guests this week who can help talk about the severity of the crisis and what people can do to take action. So today we're joined by Giovanni Hernandez, who's an organizer for the National Children's Campaign and a current student at Sacramento State University who's transferring to American University in the fall. We're also joined by Ed Navarro, who's the principal of Rincon Valley Middle School and Santa Rosa Accelerated Charter School in Santa Rosa, California. Thank you both for being on. Thank you. Thank you. So Giovanni, I know that as part of your work in the past couple weeks, you've been looking into what Governor Newsom, the governor of California, has been talking about in terms of his cuts to essential services, including education. Could you talk a little bit more about kind of why you're 
bothering to go into all these budget cuts and kind of summarize your work that you've been doing? In the state of California, public education has already been underfunded and lack of resources have been put into it. Now, with the $54 billion deficit, Governor Gavin Newsom has proposed even more budget cuts to the state, which will impact students in K-12 through education and especially higher education students going to community colleges and other public institutions. Just alone in the California community college system, the governor has proposed a $1 billion budget cut that will impact approximately 2.1 million students. In the University of California system, which provides education resources to nearly 300,000 students, the governor has proposed $376 million worth of cuts that will impact students across the entire state. Giovanni, what are some of the proposed cuts to K-12 education that Governor Newsom has been talking about? Well, Jonah, Governor Newsom has proposed a 10% reduction in funds, which is approximately $6.5 billion worth of funding to public schools. $6.5 billion cut from K-12 education. And we know that this is happening all over the country. Ed, you're a middle school principal. You are teaching at a school that is going to have its budget cut by Governor Newsom because of the pandemic. What does this mean for the students and the teachers at your school? It's going to have long-lasting effects. And the one thing that I know so far is that I don't know how it's going to affect us, but we can only kind of predict. The only certainty is uncertainty. I look at the numbers and I, I know that just in Santa Rosa City Schools, the district for which I work, we're going to have to cut $9 million next school year. And the following year, we're looking at $21.8 million. That's a lot of money, and that's definitely going to cut deep, so our kids are going to be feeling it. I'm working with the numbers that I have today, right now, and that just could change. Now, we've been trying to make cuts all along, and all the low-hanging fruit, that's gone. So now these cuts, we're really going to be looking at much larger class sizes. We're going to be looking at less support staff. And unfortunately, right now, where we really need to be putting some effort is in our social-emotional learning and our trauma-informed care, because our kids have gone through multiple fires. We're now dealing with the pandemic, and we need to be able to support our kids. And my fear is that the money that we would use to support these kids beyond their education, that's where we're really going to feel those cuts. And I'm fearful for what that means for our kids. So think for you as a principal, where you have to find out and go through your school and say, what can we do without? Whether it's for staffing, whether it's for services that are provided, as you mentioned, the kids in your district have gone through wildfires. And that's another issue is coronavirus does not happen in a vacuum. It happens in the same world as everything else that was happening before. And I know your district, as you mentioned, has been very impacted by wildfires and that that has affected your budgets in the past as well. Absolutely. And determining the difference between a want and a need. And unfortunately, we're just not going to be able to fund all those wants with these cuts. We're going to really have to dive into what are the things that we need. And unfortunately, a lot of the wants are the things that make school fun. We can teach from a textbook. We have a textbook. We can continue to do that. But how do we expand upon that? That's where we build, and that's where we're pulling in kids. So if we can tie in some kind of an art project to get them through their science curriculum, that kind of stuff just is going to go away. So unfortunately, we have kids who are dealing with trauma from our fires as well as now the coronavirus, and just engaging in school becomes a really difficult task for them. 
So all of the things that my teachers are doing to really engage them and pull them in, unfortunately, my fear is that those are the things that are going to go away. So we're just not going to have that interdisciplinary ability to really tie in and really engage our kids. I completely think that that is something that needs to be talked about, especially the part about having cuts to things that are helping students going through trauma. Because we can talk all day about, you know, the benefits of doing well in a math class. But if you aren't doing well emotionally, then that's not really going to matter. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that we've really learned with dealing with a community who has gone through a lot of trauma is you can be the best teacher in the world. But if a student isn't ready to absorb and take in that education, it's going to waste. So you have to take care of the child first. Therefore, they can then get the education they deserve. And that's really my fear is that that social, emotional, and trauma-informed care is just going to go away. I don't know where we go with that. What do we do when we can't take care of our whole child before we educate them? Yeah. Your students are, I'd say, a pretty resilient crew. I know that 126 of them lost homes in the 2017 fires. And I know that during those first fires, if you can take us back to that time, you stayed at my house when you were evacuated. So when you came down from Northern California and Santa Rosa into Petaluma, just a few minutes south, take us back to that time. And how were you and your family and your students impacted? So much has happened since then. I I remember that night. We packed up the car because we knew we had to leave. And we packed up the car thinking, okay, this is a crazy thing, but I'll be home tomorrow or the next day. We just didn't really understand the magnitude of what was going on at that time. And as the fires continued to grow and it got bigger and bigger and we were losing more and more structures, and I could see that it was encroaching upon the neighborhoods that my students live in, it just got really scary and overwhelming. I knew then that being a school principal was far more than just being an educational leader. I felt like they were my family, they were my kids, and I needed to take care of them. And as we came back from the fires and kids were back on campus, it became so evident to me that we needed to take care of the child before we could even educate them. And, you know, the fires impacted everybody in Northern California and at totally different degrees. And I had some kids who had lost not only their home, but they lost their mother's home, they lost their father's home and their grandparents' home. Those kids were much more traumatized than a kid who had to be evacuated for a week but didn't lose their home, or we had families who lost their pets in the fire. So there was just varying degrees of trauma, and we weren't going to get anywhere with their education until we took care of them. We made sure that we had the ability to pull in some psychologists and some counselors and therapy dogs to really kind of help ease the students back into school before we could continue to educate. I think that you gave my community a compliment when you called my kids resilient, and I hate that word. (laughs) What it really means to me is that these kids have really gone through a lot. Like, no one chooses to be resilient. You become resilient because you've gone through trauma, and my kids are extremely resilient, unfortunately, because they've had to experience far more than any 12, 13-year-old should have. So... They have learned that because we had some supports to get them through that. And I'm so grateful that we did. My fear is with this next pandemic and the loss of revenue that we're going to be experiencing, I'm not going to be able to have that scaffold for them. And when you're not resilient, what do you become? 
I don't want to find out, but it worries me. So Giovanni, how is the budget going to be impacted for students who are a little bit older? The governor has proposed massive cuts, and one of the biggest cuts for higher education is $1 billion to the California Community College System. These cuts are really going to impact students, not just in a certain region, but across the state. As a student, I'm also taking community college classes, and I'm going to have to reevaluate if those classes or those courses will even be made available. How have you, as a California public university student, dealt with these budget cuts, and what are your plans for next year? I think I've been taking it just like every other student, day by day, looking at the weeks ahead, trying to finish my courses, planning for the semester ahead. And in the wake of this virus and this pandemic, I've really had to evaluate where I will be attending school. And I've made the decision to attend school out of state at American University. It's one of the hardest decisions I've had to do, but we all have to make hard decisions, especially in this tough time, because there isn't enough certainty if the resources will be there, if those resources will be helpful to us, whether there'll be cuts in professors, cuts in classes, cuts in resources. Those are things students now have to consider. So Giovanni, you mentioned that you are transferring out of your school in order to leave the state because of the state budget cuts that you're anticipating and how that will affect your education. How did you come about that decision? What made you want to do that? Well, I have the opportunity to attend school out of state. Many other people will not have that opportunity. Some, for example, could be deferred action students who are recipients of that program, and they will also face, along with many other students, the budget cuts coming ahead and in the near future. You are right. Not everyone is going to be able to leave the state, and this is definitely not something that the governor wants to do. I think we can all agree that Governor Newsom in no way wants to make these cuts. I think that he's faced with a really difficult situation which is why we have to do everything we can fighting through this pandemic, getting testing and treatment and getting it under control to the point where we can actually safely go back to our lives. But that just doesn't seem like it's on the horizon right now. I know even from where I live out in Maryland, we've had just last week, it was our highest day of new cases. So it's not going down, it's going up. And I think that that's really the scary part is that we don't have this under control yet. And the foreseeable future is so uncertain because our federal government, in the most part, is not taking it too seriously. We have to think about the government's response in this, especially compared to other countries, because a lot of countries around the world are starting to reopen. I'm a big soccer fan, and I was very excited. The German Bundesliga is the first major soccer league to resume play last weekend, and that was exciting for me. And now seeing that If our government had handled this crisis appropriately and proactively, we'd be seeing the same thing of things starting to reopen and get better. And now, because of the way that the federal government has handled this crisis, it's going to stay like this for a long time. And as we've seen with these budget cuts, students are going to be paying the price. Thinking back to our federal government's response, Senator McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, he was the first person to introduce back in March the original stimulus package, right? This was the one that's known as the CARES Act. And even in his original package, he did not make an effort to really prioritize states and prioritize working people and what they need. You know, we did in the end push that bill through that was cleaned up a lot. It was much better than where it started. But even in the new effort of creating a second, another large stimulus bill, 
the HEROES Act that just passed recently is a $3 trillion bill. And unfortunately, Senator McConnell has expressed that he doesn't think that this is urgent, that he doesn't think states like California or students like Giovanni are urgent crisis. And he has said that he wants to drag his feet on this and not even look at it until next month at the earliest. And even then, he wants to forcibly open the country and not actually provide the aid that's necessary to open it safely and to open it in a manner that will allow states like California to still function. So, Ed, I know that you're just waiting for money from the federal government. Your district is just sitting there just waiting to get help. How's this feel knowing that this person who has the power to give money to your school district is just refusing to even look at the bill till next month? Really frustrating. I feel like we're hemorrhaging and there's somebody there who's got the Band-Aid and isn't willing to provide it. I wish that he could step foot on my campus when my kids are there to see who he's harming. We need help. We need support. And I feel like we're just being brushed aside. I feel like a lot of the energy is going into opening states back up. I feel like all of those decisions are economic-based and not health-based. I'm fearful that if we open up without the support that we need, you know, we're just going to find ourselves in a much worse situation down the line. That is scary. It's really scary. And knowing, again, you are one of thousands of principals around the country, millions of students are going through this and will be, for the foreseeable future, impacted for the rest of their lives by these cuts right now. A question for, I guess this is both for you, Ed and Giovanni, what would you say you want to see from the federal government? The number one thing I really want to see is for the federal government to step up and do their job. They are just sitting there waiting for bills to be passed, waiting for bills to be accommodated for them, but not actually help the working class people, students, faculty, people who are actually paying the price and will pay the price for inaction from members of Congress and other federal officials. And Ed, what about you? What would you say is the number one thing you want to see our federal government do that could really help your district and your state? I want them to respect our system. I want them to respect what we do. And I want them to see that we're providing an education for all of our kids. I would like some respect. Respect. You're not blaming them for the crisis, but you're saying, look, this is the situation we're in and respect my state, respect my school, respect my kids and respect the fact that we're not okay. And I think that that is not too much to ask for. Giovanni, if these decision makers were not in the room with you because of social distancing, but if they were on the phone with you, what would you tell them right now? I would tell them that it's time to lead, put party politics aside and work in the common interest of Americans. It's not acceptable for people, students, even adults and educators to be paying the price for their inaction and their unprofessionalism and willing to act and lead for the American people. It's ridiculous that people will pay the price now, people will pay the price in the future, and it's just not right for them to be sitting around playing politics as usual and not serving the people that elected them. Absolutely. And Ed, same question. If these people who are keeping money from your students were on this call, what would you tell them? I would tell them that the best investment that they can make is in our kids. They are the future. We need to provide for them so that they can provide 
for our country, they're our best investment. We need to support our public schools and the kids because they are our future. This is not something that we can continue debating and talking about. It's something that we have to do and that states need help right now and schools need help immediately. It is time for Mitch McConnell to move. It is not time for him to debate whether it is a crisis. We know we are in a crisis and it is time for the federal government to help the American people and to ensure that our public schools can stay open and stay functional. No teachers should lose their jobs because of this pandemic. And that is what is on the table right now from the budget cuts that are on the way. Thank you both so much for being on the podcast this week. Ed, thank you so much for fighting for your students and again, for being on this week. Thank you for having me. And Giovanni, thank you for all the work you've done for the National Children's Campaign and all the other organizations you've worked with and for fighting for the youngest Americans. Thank you. For our listeners at home wondering what they can do, be sure to continue to call your senators, call them out on social media, and be taking action to make sure that they are passing the HEROES Act so that our generation has the resources that we desperately need to have a shot. If you want to find the Twitter handles of all members of Congress, visit our website at nationalchildrenscampaign.org. We will have it posted so you can tweet directly at your House member and your senators to tell them to hurry up, move forward, and help our country. Our feature now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. I'm Natalie Meebane. I'm Jonah Gottlieb. And thanks for listening to this episode of Our Future Now.